0: not first John Uh, turn to Matthew 26 I am I'm really thankful you guys are here this morning Um, I'm thankful for the church that I go to Uh, I'm thankful that you're in it Um, and uh, yeah I'm I'm thankful that we are gathering I don't know another way. I'm trying to think of another way to say it. You know, if I was really good at, like, poetry, I could just rhyme it somehow. But, uh, like, thank you for coming. Thank you for being here. I'm thankful for our church. I just said all that, but I'm thankful again. <laughs> you know? Like, thank thank you for coming to church. Um, pray for the empty seats next to you. Um, you know? Pray, pray for... The people that would be filling up the row. I like that all of you get your own rows. That's fun. That's like the best movie theater experience you can have, right? You can spread your snacks out and everything, and that's that's grand. But um, but pray, uh, pray pray for our church. And and know, of course, if you guys you're here, you know. But if if there was ever uh, if you felt that you got the impression that you should stay home. Um, just know that you didn't get that from me. Um, but that's fine. I'm sure you can get it from, from elsewhere. Um, we need to be in Matthew 26 today. We need to be in Matthew 26, and it's going to be a different a different sermon. Uh, you can say it's a special edition, okay? It's the collector's edition because we're not going through uh, 1 John. Um, we won't be making it any further into 1 John today um, or next week. Next week, uh, Chris Hawes is going to come and share. And that's always a blessing. We look forward to it when Chris comes up uh, from Fresno and, and and shares about the Horn of Africa ministry and then preaches. He's, he's a very gifted teacher. Um, so you can look forward to that next Sunday. Um, but there is going to be a lot of overlap, at least with today's sermon and and our study that we've been going through in 1 John. Um, it's a it's it's like the the appendix. It's the footnote. Okay, this sermon's a footnote on our study in John. Specifically, today's message is about suffering, and it's specifically about being with Christ in suffering. Um, now, that's never a wrong time to talk about hard things, suffering. Like if you, wanna, if you want a current events kind of sermon, just always talk about terrible things because that's just the lot our, our lot in life, right? Learning how to suffer well will always be applicable because on this side of eternity, in this veil of tears, we are promised sufferings. So in one way, this sermon is about every day of history. And yet it is born out of um, a difficult week for the church, both locally and globally. Um, starting here here at home, um, in case you, you don't know, Steve Sims is in the hospital. Um, the Sims were initially given uh, a 50-50 chance, essentially, that he would be coming home. Um, that has not improved. Uh, we are praying uh, confidently for mir- miraculous healing, um, but recognizing that that is exactly what it would take at this point. Um, I was talking, I texted Gail this morning. He is on a feeding tube uh, to, as of today, which is which is new and not encouraging. On a global scale, uh, of course, again, it's it's always right. It's going to be uh, there's always going to be trouble. There's there's always going to be something in the news worth praying about on a global scale. This week, you know, we've got an earthquake in Haiti where over two thousand people died, and we all forgot about it immediately because of all the stuff in Afghanistan. And and you guys absolutely. Uh, know that I don't do current events sermons, right? I don't, I don't do commentary on the news, but I do preach as a member of a larger body, a larger church, and as the persecuted church isn't part of the church. It is the church. We are the church, and we ought to feel the pain of its members. Um, and so you, you can see the need uh, for a message around suffering and even being an, I, I guess, a, an auxiliary sufferer, mourning with those who mourn, suffering with those who are suffering. There's a need for that because that is where you are, whether you like it or not. Whether you're in a good mood or not, doesn't even matter. This is your family. And we're called to experience family events like a family. We're called to experience body events as an entire body. And here's, here's the main point. I won't make you wait until the end for it we must go to Jesus in his sufferings in order to rightly experience suffering ourselves. We have to go to Jesus in his sufferings in order to suffer well. And I say suffer well or rightly experience sufferings rather than make sense of suffering, because I don't know that that is something we have ever been called to. I don't know that making sense of suffering is is something we should expect to be able to do. The, that um, cliche, you know, senseless evil. Well, that's just redundant. Um, analyzing evil is not our call, but we are called to suffer. In fact, we we're born to suffer. If you take Job 5-7 into account, man is born to trouble as the sparks fly upward. That's just the way it's gonna be. We suffer for multiple reasons. We suffer because the world is fallen and stubbed toes are part of our inheritance we received from Adam and everything greater than that. And we suffer in another way with Christ for his sake, the new Adam. We suffer for his people, whether whether they are suffering for Adam's fall or for Christ's sacrifice. Uh, Again, for his sake, we suffer with the body. Now again, you can consider this, this message in Matthew 26 as an addendum to our study in 1 John. We've seen over and over and over in that letter that loving God looks like loving people. His people in particular. Loving God, uh, the visual representation of our love for God is serving one another and washing feet and loving the brethren. That's what love for God looks like. Um, Loving each other is how we demonstrate our love for God. If you feel your love for the Lord grow weak, find a way to serve another person. Loving each other is loving God. Now we, we are called to love, and while we would wish we could forget it, we are called to suffer. Jesus says, "In this world you will have tribulation." John 16:33. Jesus, uh, he says, "I send you a sheep among wolves. If that's not a promise for danger, I don't know. I don't know how to read it." You know, when he says, "Take up your cross," that's that's a call to suffer, and this is part of our life in christ paul saw his ministry as an extension of christ's sufferings and not just his but the other ministers of christ as well he writes in two corinthians 1 5 he says for as the sufferings of christ abound in us and then he continues he says the sufferings of christ abound in us we the ministers of the gospel and then he writes in colossians 1.24, i now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of christ for the sake of his body which is the church. And if you want to just keep going, you have Peter writing to the church saying, but rejoice to the extent that you partake in Christ's sufferings or of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. 1 Peter 4.13. So this is our life now. We suffer with Christ. This is what the apostles called the church to. This is what the apostles described as the normal Christian life as they knew it. It was continuing in the sufferings of Christ. And we talk about victory in Christ, which we have, and and the, the victory that comes in a life that, that is in Christ, seated with Christ in heavenly places. But a lot of that is the future life that we look forward to being united with Christ. You know, here we, we are, we will have tribulation. We are still sheep among wolves. We're still taking up our crosses. And we, you, may, you may think of these things in terms of, you know, the martyrs in the Colosseums or, or horribly Kabul. You know, um, suffering with Christ means persecuted, the, suffering with the persecuted church. But there's, there's more to it than that, I think. We are not persecuted right now. So how do we suffer with Christ? We suffer with his body. The body of Christ is the church on this earth. His body is the church. Just as we love God by loving people, we also suffer with Christ and continue in the sufferings of Christ by suffering with people. We suffer with Christ by bearing with him the crosses others are carrying. We suffer with Christ when we suffer with the parts of his body that have been attacked. And in Hebrews 13, verse 3, uh, the author of Hebrews says, Remember the prisoners as if chained with them, those who are mistreated, since you yourselves are in the body also. The author of Hebrews calls on those who are free to identify with those who are not. Recognizing the unity of the church, he calls those who are not suffering. And we know that, okay, they were suffering kind of, but he tells them earlier in the letter, You have not yet resisted to bloodshed. Means like you're not, it's not hurting that bad. He calls them to remember those who are mistreated, those who do have it that bad, since you are members of the same body. And I don't know if this is easier now than it was in the first century, century or harder, but we're called to it either way to be united with those who aren't us but are with us in the same body and suffering. The speedy way in which news travels around the world is a bitter blessing, isn't it? You know, you've read. Um, like the older, Fox's Book of Martyrs, perhaps, or read Cory Ten Boom's account of God's faithfulness, even in Nazi concentration camps. And, and there's this kind of sobering encouragement that does come from that stuff. It's it's required reading for Christians, in my opinion. Um, but it may not seem as real, perhaps, because you have that buffer zone of the years that separate you from those events in the past. You could read Voice of the Martyrs in those publications and it's, it's more current but even then, it's not like what, what I experienced, at least what we, we experienced this week, getting reports back from church leaders and missionaries in Afghanistan, realizing in real time, actively in real time, that there are brothers and sisters in Christ, members of your church, who if they were here would be sitting next to you. Members of your church who are preparing themselves for a martyr's death and a martyr's crown. Now, in real time. That's this week, and this is your church. It's hard to sort out what is rumor and what is true as the news comes in so quickly from, you know, churches that are by necessity underground. But at this point, there's plenty of collaborating reports that house-to-house searches are being made. Christians are being tracked. Phones are being searched to see if anyone has a Bible app. And they're waiting for the, the consequences of these searches to come. That's happening. That's, that's right now. <coughs> Now, for whatever reason, and I'm I'm thankful for this, but God has allowed me to grieve for this more than I normally would, maybe, which is half confession, half thanksgiving. You know, because um, so many times, you know, you hear the horrible things that happen, and it you, it's easy to just allow it to fade into the background, because you don't you don't have time to care about everything equally. We don't have the emotional energy to take on all the suffering that exists, and and it is a blessing to be able to remember another's suffering as if chained with them. Um, there's, there's a spiritual gift that we often overlook and it's the, the gift of mercy. And that's the Holy Spirit working in your heart with compassion even on those who don't deserve it. But it, it makes even more sense that we would have compassion on those who, who, who do deserve it <laughs> or who, who we, we can easily see uh, earn our compassion. But it's a blessing to be able to remember another's suffering as if chained with them, since they are of the same body as you. You know, when you can't tell what's happening in your body, you can expect trouble. Numbness is not a sign of good health. Pain is supposed to happen when something is wrong. Those are signals there. And, and so again, we address pain, to, to in order to address pain and, and suffering well, we go to Christ in his suffering so now i'm going to read from matthew 26 in matthew chapter 26 verse 36 it says this then jesus came with them to a place called gethsemane and said to the disciples sit here while i go and pray over there And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Now in Luke's account, you wanted a cross-reference. Jesus doesn't tell them just to sit over there. He tells them to pray over there. And that's evident even in Matthew's account in verse 40. He's, he's surprised. He says, what? You couldn't pray? You couldn't even pray for an hour? Um, when, when Christ begins his passion, his sufferings, laboring in, in this in, in this passion to the point of sweating great drops of blood, what did he ask Of his disciples? What did he ask his friends to do in that moment? He asked them to pray. He asked for prayer. The disciples were not called here to die on the cross. They were never called to die on the cross for our sins. They were were not to share in that kind of suffering. There is one Lamb of God, and it's not Peter, James, John, or you. But they they were called, as you are called, to take up the cross and follow. And they were called, just as Paul and Peter shared, that to, to, to experience the sufferings of Christ. They were to enter into this place with Jesus and suffer with him. When, when Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me, he is calling people to suffer with him. What does Jesus do in the face of immense suffering and injustice Well, he prays first and foremost and then he invites us there with him you are not facing martyrdom but part of your body is your family is you are not facing death but there are members of your body who are now if you're listening to this you are not in a life-threatening situation but you are bound with those who are, and you are one body with the suffering, and you are invited to join them through prayer. It is our greatest privilege. It is one of our greatest privileges to be able to lift someone up in prayer who is suffering. When when Tim Polly was sick after some serious heart surgery and all the stresses that go with it, he said, and he's shared this testimony here before, he said he could actually feel the prayers of his church family bringing peace and bringing strength. God allowed him to have physical and spiritual sensations of prayers affecting his health. Jesus in the garden didn't have that. He didn't have that from his friends. God did send an angel to comfort him, but it wasn't because of the prayers of the saints. They were sleeping. Now you could You could turn forward in your Bibles, I guess, to a more encouraging story of the prayers of the saints. You think of Peter in prison in Acts chapter 12. Peter's there in prison, sentenced to die. Um, One of his closest friends had recently been beheaded, James. And the church prays, and he's delivered. And even as I mourn for what is going on with the church around the world, with the persecuted church, our church, I am so confident that testimonies like that one will eventually work their way back to us, you know? Um, just as we are called to suffer, we are called to pray with and for the suffering, and then through that we we're going to be able to share in their in the hope, and even of hope in the resurrection. The prayers of God's people are powerful, but there is a special strength in the prayers of the suffering. We know this from Scripture. God is near to the brokenhearted. His strength is made perfect in weakness. So we go to the weak. We find out who the weak are, get close to them, pray with them, share their weakness, bear their burdens. That's where Jesus is to be found. It is in the suffering, it is in suffering that prayer can find its footing. In my mind, um, my mind has been going, you know, back and forth nonstop between the believers in Afghanistan and what's going on with the Sims. And my prayers have been for both of these things one at a time. And in these emergencies that the church is is faced with, we have have these two kinds of suffering presented. There's sickness, that's what it is. It's sickness that we inherit from Adam. And then persecution that we inherit from Christ. There's persecution that is our lot as followers of Jesus. In both cases, I've been able to see, and I hope you can see with me that the body of Christ is presented to us in, in the sufferer. The ones sweating and bleeding like Jesus in the garden. And, and, and this is where we see the body of Christ. And I've been able to see myself, and I've, I've, I've seen you here too. We're the disciples being asked to be in that supporting role and being keenly aware, perhaps, of Christ's rebuke that comes. Could you not watch with me for one hour? Couldn't you come and support the church for just just this? We unite ourselves to Christ. We abide in him when we suffer with his people. When we suffer as members of his body with the other members of his body, we are drawing near to Christ. And one way we suffer with him is through the fervent and effective prayer that avails much. And you might say, prayer isn't suffering. Well, then why don't you do it? <laughs> you know, Keep going, pray more, you'll find the ache. Or it will find you. You know, please let the fear of the Lord allow you to fear the words of Jesus. Could you not watch one hour? We go to Christ and his sufferings in order to suffer rightly, and we do this by praying with him. We know that people, you know, when they are in dark moments or whatever, they hopefully they ask for prayer. Many of us will confess. We resist that and way too long and think like, I don't need prayer yet. Surely it's not that bad. You know, but eventually you know, we we see things clearly and we we ask for prayer. I think that we see where where Christ entering into his darkest moments, the darkest moments, asks for prayer more than anything else. We would ask for prayer so much sooner if we could realize how effective it is. I mean, that's what Jesus asked for. And, And think, he asked for prayer from guys like Peter. Like, he asked for prayer from people with weak faith. He already said, you're going to deny me tonight. You're going to completely reject me, but I still want you to pray for me. You know, we, we would ask faithless people to faithfully pray for us if we knew the effectiveness of prayer. So we unite ourselves with Christ in praying for the suffering. Christ suffered in the garden. He wanted prayer and he, he didn't get any. Then the crowds came, the mob with Judas, right? Judas with clean feet who betrays Jesus with a kiss. Jesus is arrested. The disciples scatter. Peter draws his sword and he cuts off the ear of the high priest servant, Malchus. And you can look back at Matthew 26. Look at, start in verse 51. um, 51 of chapter 26. It says, And suddenly one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword, struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. But Jesus said to him, put your sword in its place for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Um, we'll read verse 53 as well. Or do you think that I cannot now pray to my father and he will provide me with more than 12 legions of angels? Now, I, want, I want you to see how to suffer wrongly too. And uh, here it is. It's easy to get angry and let that be the most defining characteristic about you. That's not the Holy Spirit. Now, don't get me wrong. There are things worth being angry about. God gets angry. Many times, it is right to be mad. There's plenty to be angry about. And anger and love cannot be seen as mutually exclusive or diametrically opposed. That's That's false. But... In this case, we see, since Peter is rebuked, we know that this particular incident was wrong. Peter acted out of uh, the flesh. Uh, He acted out of turn. This is not of the spirit. And while there are certain things worth fighting for, our fight is primarily spiritual, not against flesh and blood. It is very unlikely you'll be able to know how to fight in the physical realm or win as a Christian to fight in the physical realm without first engaging in spiritual war that is raging around you. And we all know it's easier to have an outburst of emotion than it is to pray. Um, you know that the, the truth is prayer can provide the correct place for the emotions and even the emotional outbursts. Read the Psalms, right? Read the prophets, those angry guys. You, you've got emotion, anger, frustration, confusion, all in spades. And, and what makes it different than Peter's little fit is that David's prayers, the psalmist's prayers, the prophet's prayers are God's It is the Lord who says, come and let us reason together. He invites the angry, the hurting, and the confused. These are feelings and thoughts that are supposed to be experienced in the presence of God. Believe me, it is more profitable to express your discontent with the world. It is more profitable to express that to God than on Facebook here's your uh, reminder that your pastor can see the things you f- post on Facebook too. I don't know if anyone needs that reminder. No, I do know some of you need that reminder. Okay. Uh, yeah. Move, we're just going to move on from that. Let's pray about some of this, shall we? Um, there's a story. There's a story of a woman whose husband was in uh, in the hospital uh, dying of a long illness, dying of cancer. And as one Defeat followed another she was without hope and without the emotional energy to pretend like she had hope anymore Which is an important turning point and she was walking outside on the hospital grounds And there was a statue there of Jesus Catholic Hospital, you know, you got your statue of Jesus and and the woman starts screaming at it and She's picking up dirt clods from the landscaping and rocks and throwing it at the statue and screaming and some of the hospital staff and your know, security were going they're going to go stop this scene from happening and one of them wisely said no don't 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 stop her she's praying and that's that's true that's some honest prayer but that's the right place to experience some of those outbursts and some of those emotions he can handle it you have to wonder, if Peter had been wrestling with God instead of sleeping, would he have had the need to draw the sword against Malchus? Or in that wrestling, would he, like Christ, have come to be able to pray, not my will, but yours be done? Prayer is full of emotion, but it purifies emotion as well. Um, Psalm 139, you know, David... David's prayer, he says, You have searched me and known me. But then he has this outburst where he prays, Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. And do I not hate them, O Lord, who hate you? And do I not loathe those who rise up, up against you? But then the Psalm ends with an invitation for more searching and more correcting from the Lord. Having already confessed to God that he has searched him inside and out every part of his being, David prays, Search me. He says, Search me again. <laughs> Search me, O oh God, and know my heart, try me and see my, my anxieties, see if there is any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. And through prayer, his emotions are purified. And as, as Christ is arrested, he is tried by the priest, where he confesses in no uncertain terms that he is the Christ. And you can look in our Matthew passage in verse 63, halfway through verse 63. The priest is speaking to Christ. He says, I put you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the son of God. Jesus said to him, it is as you said. Nevertheless, I say to you, hereafter you will see the son of man sitting at the right hand of the power and coming on the clouds of heaven. And it's in this event also that the guards of the chief strike him. And then on in chapter 27, if you want to move forward, in chapter Matthew 27, verse 27 the Roman soldiers mock him. They give him a robe, a reed to imitate a scepter, and the crown of thorns. It says, Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole garrison around him, and they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. When they had twisted a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And then they spat on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. Now, in both of these instances, Jesus is, is mocked and struck and persecuted by you know, the, the Jews and the chief priest and then by the Romans with these guards. In both of these instances, Christ is beaten and saints throughout the ages have seen Christ here as a... As a flower, as a fragrant flower or herb that releases its best perfume when it is crushed. The soldiers showed Jesus to be the king of kings. Their ironic, mocking crown was made of thorns, the very evidence of the curse in Genesis. Because of sin, the earth would bring forth thorns. Christ became sin. He wore the curse, and it is in his torment and sufferings that we see him crowned with glory and honor. And one might argue that this is one way how Jesus desires to be seen even. Even now, he desires to be seen as the lamb slain. In Revelation, that's how John sees Christ, as a lamb who is slain but alive meaning the wounds are still there to be seen. Resurrection didn't take them away. The evidences of suffering, the scars, are heavenly glories. Paul says that he bore in his body the marks of Christ. In his suffering, he was coming to resemble the Lamb. Today, Christ is crowned with glory and honor, but on earth he is crowned with thorns. In heaven, you will receive crowns, and on earth, we are promised thorns. But again, see this truth. Being with Jesus is being with him in his sufferings. And just as we see Jesus beaten, mocked, bruised, wearing the sign of the curse, the emblem of original sin on his head, and we say, that's my king. That's who I love. This is the one who my soul desires. See also when we see that our family suffering, when you see your brothers and sisters hurting, either because they are being persecuted for their faith, or just because they are experiencing the effects of sin, of Adam's fall. Either way, we go to them and say, this is my family, this is who I love, this one whom Christ loves is of the same body with me. And it is in the Christian's sufferings where the paradox of of our faith shows up so clearly, where our, our crown of thorns reveals the strength of our faith. You know, his strength is made perfect in weakness. Well, then where are you going to see Christ's strength? In weakness. That's where. Where the resemblance between you and your God begins to to appear. That's in weakness. It's in suffering. When you suffer, you have something in common with God himself. When you are near to the brokenhearted, you have something in common with the God who was made flesh. This is when you are close to him. This is where he is. And wanting to be with Jesus—that—that is—that's what we want, right? That's where we're at, isn't it? Abide in me, and I in you. That's what we want. We want closeness with God. Being near to the suffering saint is how we draw near to Jesus. Uh, C.S. Lewis said this on seeing christ in your neighbor he said next to the blessed sacrament itself your neighbor is the holiest object presented to your senses if he is your christian neighbor he is holy in almost the same way for in him also christ truly hides the glorifier and the glorified glory himself truly hidden you're the temple of the holy spirit so we join Jesus, sweating great drops of blood, and we labor in prayer and we take those emotions to him so we can eventually mean it when we pray like he prayed, not as I will but thy will be done. And we lean into the paradox of the thorns made into a crown and see that God has revealed his glory in sufferings. And if this is true, then we must acknowledge that there's plenty of glory to go around. But it also means that as we pray, show me your glory, like Moses prayed, right? Show me your glory. Then we can hear Christ answer, as you did to the least of these, you did it to me. That's where the glory is. I was talking to a, a rabbi I know, and, and he was saying that Judaism teaches that the poor are the gift of God to the world. Because whoever gives to the poor or cares for the poor receives blessings from God. And, and so since everyone wants blessings from God, uh, you just need to see the poor really as the ATM of blessings whenever you go and care for them then you're blessed he said it in a really weird way it was actually even weirder than that um but in in the same way in the same way we see the beauty of a god who suffers in suffering people we must see that the blessings of god the blessings that god has for you are waiting for you next to the person who is weeping And, and we have to see that there's blessings of god for us in being able to pray with and for the suffering Um, I haven't traveled in a while uh, but I have been able to do a bit and some of the places I've been uh, I don't care if I ever go back to and others I'd like to see again. Switzerland was really beautiful. Uh, It's just Yosemite quality everywhere, right? It's just gorgeous, outstanding. Uh, For food, France and Mexico, if those could live closer together, I'd live on the border and just eat. Um, But the, the the most beautiful people that I've ever seen in my life are living in a leper colony in Nepal. And if there's any place in the world that I could wish I could bring every single one of you, it would be that place. There's beauty there and deformity that is nothing short of supernatural. And we we must be able to see the blessings of God on us. Uh, Us who who would be able to bless any suffering person. And again, there's blessing in entering into their sufferings through Prayer. Look at verse 31. We're in chapter 27 still. Matthew 27, verse 31. It says, When they mocked him, or when they had mocked him, they took the robe off him, put his own clothes on him, and led him away to be crucified. Now as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name, him they compelled to bear his cross. Now the way we understand this is that Jesus was too weak, too physically weak to bear his cross. Now, there are some profound theological implications there, aren't there? Jesus couldn't carry his cross. He needed help. You know, and, and as much as we are the disciples invited to pray and often failing, you know, sleeping instead of watching for an hour, we are also Simon of Cyrene invited to bear the cross of Christ. Paul writes to us, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ, Galatians 6.2. And this is, this ministry of Simon and Paul's word of bearing one another's burdens is a much needed counterpoint to Philippians 4. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know what? Jesus needed help. He needed help from his friends to pray for him and he didn't get that. And he needed help to carry this cross. And of course, the Romans had to force someone to go do it. But can you imagine if Simon had just like quoted that verse to Jesus? You know, Jesus, you fell under the weight of your cross, but you know I can do all things through, um, well, you, I guess. You have to be hearing the words of James in the back of your mind right now, right? And one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warm and filled, but you do not give to them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? You know, loving people costs. Loving the poor costs some more. Loving the hurting costs in a different way. But this is fellowship with God, and it is worth every expense. Bearing the burdens of others as is what, is what Simon did, and Simon of Cyrene was closer to Christ at that moment than anyone else in the world. Simon was closer to Jesus than he he was closer to Jesus when he had someone else's cross on his shoulder. And Simon was closer to Jesus than he was closer to, to anything else, anything else that might tie his heart back. When Jesus says, take up your cross, don't be surprised if your cross includes someone else's burden. Because the cross is our death. It's a symbol of our death to ourself, our surrender to God, that includes taking on the form of a servant, like Jesus did. Taking up your cross is the willingness to bear someone else's. Now, I think it's it should be pretty clear at this point that this sermon includes a call to prayer, and we are praying tonight. Um, Brian is going to lead lead us in intercession for some of the things that need prayer in our community and in the world Uh, we're praying for hard things you know for the sick and the suffering in our church and the suffering and the persecuted in our our greater family we are going to God um, in the garden we are going to Christ in the garden and we are going to watch with him for one hour Uh, can you do that? because we need to and we're going to and, and as we go in and share in Christ's sufferings by sharing the sufferings of believers through prayer we also want to have fellowship with Christ like Simon did uh, by helping and not just saying I'll, I'll pray for you but there's a risk especially well there, there's a risk to try and make the burden of prayer go away by circumventing it and saying is there somewhere I can give? you know? Um, Is there a practical thing I can do? Well, probably. Yes, there probably is. And we want to do that. We want to bear one another's burdens. Um, But we want to pray first. So we're going to pray about how we can do that. And we don't want to be the people that just say, well, I don't need to pray because I donated. You know what I mean? There there are going to be practical ways to help hurting people. And tonight we want to meet Jesus and be directed by him in prayer for some of the needs in our world. And I know where a sermon like this is supposed to end. Because after the cross comes the tomb and then the resurrection, right? That's where it's supposed to go. We've just stopped at the cross. So come and pray. Uh, Come see Jesus on the cross and in the tomb and experience that part of our faith in order to better hope for resurrection. But let's not skip steps. You know, come labor with Christ in prayer. We're going to meet here at 6 uh, for, for prayer, and we will have some, um, you know, practical ways we can help beyond prayer. But I want you to come and find out what those are. Um, we're going to come and and meet Christ in the garden, knowing that He always hears and He always cares, and that in revealing to us our neighbors and our brothers and our sisters that are suffering that's always an invitation that's always an invitation you know you can see those things maybe as as rebuke or or just something to make you feel bad because they're suffering there and you don't like to think about that but the way to see these things is as an invitation where Christ calls his friends and his family to be about the father's business where he calls his people to where he is on the cross. And just like uh, Mary and John were kind of given to each other at the cross, the two disciples that were there for it, really there for the suffering. And Jesus says, this is your mother, this is your son. When we come together as a family to lift up the suffering, to suffer with the suffering, God gives us the family of God to be a part of. He gives us true and spiritual fellowship. So come prepared for that. Um, I want Joe to sing again, and I'm going to pray. We're going to pray, and and then we'll close with a song. All right, and I'll see you guys tonight at six. Jesus, uh, we love you, and we want to be a a people that know you, know your strength in in the midst of weakness. You have decided to show your glory in weakness and to, to store treasures in broken clay pots. Um, we thank you for the way you do things, the way you do things upside down. And God, we don't want to look away from the sufferings in the world, the suffering in our, in our church. We don't want to uh, look away as if it's not something we should engage with. We, we want to go there and be with you. We want fellowship with God and nothing less. We pray for the spirit of intercession to be poured out on your people. Uh, We pray that we would be able to pray well. Um, We confess uh, the same thing you said about your friends then. The the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Um, So God, send us your spirit. We believe in the resurrection of the flesh. We believe in the resurrection of the body. And looking forward to that resurrection God, give us clarity in our spirits and our hearts of how to pray in the crucifixion and entombing stage. Bless your church. Uh, We lift up now in agreement. We lift up um, those who are sick in our church family. And we lift up those who are hurting and persecuted in our larger church family. And we pray for supernatural closeness be theirs we pray for a a blessing of your spirit on those who are hurting just as you've promised that you're near to the brokenhearted close to the contrite you care especially for the orphan for the widow god you have compassion on the hurting and so use our prayers to this end lord use our prayers to this end that your people would be near you that we would know you, that we would even know Christ and him crucified, and that we would count all other things as loss just so that we may possibly attain to that resurrection. Bless your church with these words. Bless your church with your spirit. Bless your church with your presence that we want more than anything else. Amen. Amen. All right, finish up the walls, the cradle. And, and trust that you are there in the midst of the storm. So we just agree with these words. The Holy Spirit, um, would you send us into uh, into this week with new reverence over um, bearing each other's burdens, Lord? Would you prompt us to do that more and more? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.